Good morning, everybody. How we doing? My name is Gary, and we're excited to have you here today. Our desire, as we've said for the last several months, is that we are followers of Jesus who are striving to be good and faithful servants with the resources that He's given us. And that, for me, is the most exciting thing about this special contribution is that it's given us a focus and it's given us a direction and we're doing it different than we've ever done it before. And if we ever do another one, we're going to do it... Like I said, we're not going to have... Tim and Alan and I spoke Wednesday night and we do another special contribution. The three of us are in agreement. We're not going to set a goal. We're going to do like we've done this time after we set the goal of saying, we just want to be good and faithful. Here's the need. What has God put on your heart? What is God calling you to do in this situation to be considered a good and faithful servant? And it's our desire that this go way beyond next Sunday morning and this special contribution. We want it to go to permeate every area of your lives. And that's why the series that we started two weeks ago called First, that's really what it's all about. You see, in the book of, I think it was 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is talking about one of their special contributions for the needy, because there was a famine in Jerusalem. And they, the Corinthians, he says, you, you did what we didn't expect. He says, you, but he says you gave yourself first to the Lord and then to us. And you see, guys, that is our, that is our desire. We're not interested in raising $100,000. Okay? We're interested in you giving yourself first to the Lord. Okay? And we hope that that's your desire too. And we hope that through all this, you're examining yourself and this is going way beyond whatever you're planning on giving for the special contribution or have already given. We hope you're doing a heart check like I talked about two weeks ago to see is that really your desire? Do you really recognize that all of the resources God has given you are given to you. And that they really belong to the Master. And that you have a desire that when the Master comes back and He's judging the world, He's going to look you in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You see guys, now that's a goal, isn't it? That excites me. And guys, I am so excited to see what God will do when we as individuals decide that that's our goal. I am anxious to hear about the needs that are met through individuals being good and faithful servants, and there's no call for a special contribution. Guys, it is very exciting. I mean, we've seen it when we do it collectively. We're watching it right now with the special contribution. We saw it several months ago when uh, Travis Woodard's mom passed away and he needed help getting to the Philippines to take her body back for the funeral. And the, it was just like on the spur of the moment, overwhelming giving. An overwhelming need. But the truth of the matter is, you're God's servant outside of this group. You're the servant of Jesus seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And He wants you to be good and faithful with everything that you have. And that's what we're talking about in this series. When we talk about first, 
You give yourself first to the Lord. So you need to be concerned about being good and faithful with every resource He's given you. Tim spoke last week about being good and faithful with our money. And today, I'm going to be talking about a resource that we may not normally consider as a resource. And that is our family. That is our family. Now, I don't know about you, but typically, this isn't something that we normally think of as being good as a resource, is it? Do you think of your family as a resource? Or do you think of it more as a responsibility? Do you think of it as a resource? Or do you think of it as a benefit? Okay, now it involves both those, both of those things. Having a family is a benefit. I told you, I prefer, I, I've told my children, I don't want anything on Father's Day, and I mean that. I'm not being silly. Uh, as you both, most of you know, I don't care for, uh, Holidays, formal holidays that you're supposed to do something because the, the uh, greeting card company decided you're supposed to do it. Or whatever the situation is. I mean, I love, I, I would much rather have my family together on a Tuesday night for supper, just out of the blue, and hear my children sitting around talking and telling stories and hearing what's going on for them than I would go out to eat on Father's Day. It means so much more to me. My family and I were out of town last uh, weekend, and uh, we were driving to Lambert's Restaurant. Uh, most of you know that down in Sykeston, I believe it is. And we were driving from southern Illinois, and my, my, my younger son's driving, and we start talking about uh, financing of our car washes. One of them needs to be refinanced in September. And so I was talking with Jonathan and Jordan about what this is like, and I was getting to be a father. I was getting to tell them about real things in life, about how we got into this, what we had to do to get them financed initially, how we're in a different position now, and what it's like. Let me tell you guys, that conversation was so much better than a Father's Day card. I mean, it was amazing. That's a benefit to me to be able to have that conversation with my children and then to be interested and to pay attention. So family is that. Family is a benefit. And at the same time, I was being responsible. I believe I need to teach my children these things. They are both those things, but a resource? Hmm. How is that to be? Well, let's talk about that. Guys, the first verse on your notes today is in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. And it's the verse that I referenced earlier. And that's why I have it in my notes. And I want to read it here just for effect or just to emphasize the point. And this is what it says. It's taken from Matthew 25. If you want to read the whole story, I encourage you to go back and do that. But it said, The Master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You see, guys, when we look at family, there's really two aspects of it that we want to talk about. Okay, There's two aspects that you want to talk about. One is our physical family. And that's probably what most of you thought when, we, when, we, when you read this. The other is our spiritual family. When you look around here, when God looks at us, He does not look at us as pockets. You know, He doesn't look in here and say multiple families. He sees one family. We are considered the family of God or the family of believers. 
If you look at this next note in your passage, you'll see what I'm talking about. It says, therefore, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Some other passages that go along with this, one of them's in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Hebrews 2.11 says, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And guys, the passage that I believe illustrates this the best is found in Mark chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 20 and 21 and then jump down to 31 through 35 for time. You'll understand as you go through this. And this is what happened. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that He and His disciples were not even able to eat. When His family heard about this, they went to take charge of Him, for they said, He is out of His mind. Okay? You got this what's going on? Jesus involves in preaching. He's in a house. It's so crowded that they don't even have room to eat. And his family thinks he's lost his mind. They think he's nuts. Okay? And they go, what does it say? They went to take charge of him. Okay, he's went off the deep end. It's time we get involved. Time for an intervention. I mean, that is seriously what's going on here. So they show up, and naturally it's so crowded they can't get in. But this is what it says. It says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call Him. A crowd was sitting around Him and they told Him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? He asked. Then He looked at these seated in a circle around Him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. See guys, this is a very significant passage. Now let's be very honest. Jesus is not turning His back on His family. He's not neglecting His family. Later on, we see Him on the cross. And as He's dying, He's making provisions for His mother to be taken care of. But He's drawing a line here that every one of us need to be aware of. And that is that our physical family is to serve the family of God. Not the other way around. See, he went on later on. There was two passages. Let me see if I got them here somewhere. One of them is in... Now let me wait till I get down there. I'll wait. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. But he, you're, you're familiar with this. Where he says later on, he says... If you don't hate your mother and bro- your mother and father, and even your own life, you can't be my disciple. If you don't love me more than them, another place he says, "You think I've come to bring peace? No, I've came to bring a sword because I'm going to divide mother and father." Now he's not saying, "Hey, I'm going to bring about divorce. I'm going to break up families." That's not what he's saying. He's saying 
when there are people in a family who are willing to follow God and people in a family who are not willing to follow God, there is going to be division. It is a natural byproduct of it. And what he's saying is that the relationship within the body of Jesus, within the family of believers, supersedes that. You see, because as a family of believers, we've all decided the same thing. We've all said, Jesus is Lord of our lives. We've all said, we're putting faith in what He did when He died on the cross and our sins are being forgiven. We've said, we believe in the resurrection. We believe He's coming back. And because He's coming back, we're going to live our life a certain way. We're going to do our best to live life the way He wants it to be lived. Which incidentally, the class that Alan's doing on the Sermon on the Mount on Sunday mornings, is what that is all about. It's breaking it down, saying, how do we live the kingdom way now? Because that's what all of us have signed up for. And that's what makes us family. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. And if you have part of your physical family who is not interested in that, they are going to distract you from it, number one, and you're not going to get help from them, number two. And so guys, when we, as, we, as we go through this and we talk about being good and faithful servants with this resource of family, we're, I'm going to be talking about both aspects. We need to be responsible with our physical families, especially the adults, the mothers, the fathers. And I'll get into the aunts and uncles and grandparents in a minute. But there's a responsibility there. But we also have that same responsibility to this family of believers. So let's go on. Guys, when you look at this, faithful basically equals responsible. And there's two primary responsibilities the Bible talks about when it comes to families. The first one is providing for physical needs. And I'm going to blow through this because this is pretty basic. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. This is what it says. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you're not willing to help your physical family with their material needs, with their physical needs, you're worse than an unbeliever. You see, plain as day, we are to be responsible for providing for physical needs. Now this carries over. Now what they're talking about here, let me, let me be clear, in First Timothy and I'm going to get to this here in a second, is they're talking about how to provide for people within the church. And he says that responsibility falls first to the physical family. What's that mean? That means I can't be a lazy slug and expect you folks to feed my kids. That's what that means. <coughs> but if you go on in Acts chapter 4, this is what it says. This is the example of the commitment of the early family of God. It says, There was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sale and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need. You see, guys... God's telling us we should provide for our physical families, and if we don't, we're worse than an unbeliever. He expects the same thing from this body of believers. 
He expects us to provide, to help each other out, so there is literally no needy among us. First thing. Second area of responsibility is spiritual needs. Is providing this for the spiritual needs. Uh, let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 6. Here's my Father's Day verse. This is going to be read millions of times across the world today. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Telling fathers, look, you need to provide for the spiritual needs of your children. You are responsible for teaching them about Jesus. You are the only one. You know, we have no command in the Bible to have a children's ministry. Did you know that? It doesn't mean it's wrong to have one. Okay? There is no command in the Bible to have a middle school ministry or a teen ministry. Did you know that? It doesn't exist. What we are commanded is within our families to teach our children about God. That's where it's at. Guys, look at this next passage. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. See so guys, here is instructions specifically about how children are to be taught. And it is within the family that God expects that to take place. And guys, I just gotta tell you, it's the same with the spiritual family. Now I gotta tell you, this is going to require you to have a faith of your own. See, that's the challenge with how the ministries, the children's ministry and the teen ministry, is that we expect someone else to teach our children. That's the danger of those things. I'm not going to say they're bad. But the danger is, the pitfall that is very easy to fall into is that, you know, I don't need to learn how to teach children. I'm better talking to adults. So let's let somebody else do that that's specialized in it. we got school teachers in the church, right? They're trained for it. That's their passion. But they don't get enough of that in the public schools. And so we neglect. And guys, I just got to tell you, I'm guilty. I was guilty for the first ten years at least of being a parent. My faith was not mature enough to be responsible with teaching my children the spiritual needs. That is just the truth of the matter. You guys have heard me talk about my struggle with depression. That was a matter of <clears throat> remaining immature in my faith. As I dealt with that, my maturity grew, and then I had a lot of catching up to do. Okay? I had faith, but it was immature. I couldn't provide for the spiritual needs of my family. It's the same way here, guys. You have a responsibility to this body. Look around the room. I'm serious. Look around. We have a responsibility to each other. If you don't have a faith of your own, you have nothing to give. You don't. And see guys, 
You need to understand that. If we're going to be good and faithful servants, we're going to have to fulfill the responsibility that God's given us. To meet physical needs and to meet spiritual needs. So how do we go about being faithful with my family? Number one, I need to see family God's way. I need to see family God's way. Here, I've noticed I sneak this verse in here again. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's the verse we used in our past, our last series on paradigm shift. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God, here's, here's, here's the truth. Every one of us in here have a picture of what we want our family to be like, don't we? If we're parents, especially young kids, we have dreams. We want them to be smart, good-looking, and athletic, right? Okay, I'm talking about me. That's what we want. We want them to be totally different than we were. If your grandparents, you have a goal for your, a dream for your children's family and your grandchildren. If you're teenagers, I'm guessing some of you got a dream for what you want your marriage and your family to be like. Okay? You, it's, it, and it's probably, you want it different than yours is right now, right? And that's not all bad. Okay? That's not all bad because we're imperfect people. But guys, we have an idea of what it's like. My question is this, have you ever compared your idea of family to what God says about a family? And if you haven't done it, are you willing to do it? You see guys, in my, uh, in my pre- preparation for this, I, I was reading an article and a gentleman was talking about he served in a church and this particular uh, body of believers was very committed to missions. They supported missionaries overseas. Uh, they had them in, in, when they were on furlough, they came home and they, they had them tell them what was going on and got them new stuff and did all these things. And there was a family uh, that was very involved in this. They supported missionaries financially. They prayed for them. They fed them on Sundays when they were in town. But all of a sudden, their son decided that he wanted to be a missionary and they had a problem with it. You know why they had a problem with it? Because it didn't fit their dream. It didn't fit their idea of what their family was to be like. You see, they were all for supporting those missionaries and they probably had plans for their son to support missionaries, but they wanted him close to them. They didn't want him overseas. Why? Because that separated him from them. And you see, guys, that's the challenge. What does God want for your family? You know, I just said it, said it a while ago, I said some of these teenagers probably want their family when their parents to be different than the family they're in now. Okay? That, there's a degree of health to that. I will talk with my children very openly what they should do differently. Okay? Because I've made a bunch of mistakes. Haven't I? Yeah. See? She'll tell you. Ask her. 
Even put on the spot. She's happy to do it. You see, guys, when you're following Jesus, it means that you belong to two families. You have a physical family and you have a spiritual family. And there are responsibilities in both. And your physical family is to serve the spiritual needs of the spiritual family. You know, that's why Jesus said when His mother and brothers showed up to get Him, He says, here's my mother and brothers. I've got to be about the kingdom work first. Second thing, guys, I've got to view family, see my family the way God does. I need to understand my role in the family. I need to understand my role in the family. <clears throat> Look at these two passages. The first one we find in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. What's he saying? Mom and grandma fulfilled their role to teach him spiritually. Mom and grandma. If you go down in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, Paul's telling Timothy how to respond, how to interact with different age groups. And he says, never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Guys, this is very significant. Because what he's describing is different roles within the family of believers. And these different roles, if you notice, are age group related. Anybody pick up on that? He's speaking to different age groups. Now, we have had something we're fighting through here at Greater Alton. Okay? We have been and we have promoted in the past a segregated church. Did you know that? Now, I'm not talking black and white. Alright? I'm talking age segregation. You can see a little bit of it right now. Okay? You've got the young adults sitting over here. You have the campus keeping sitting here. You have the teenagers and middle schoolers sitting here. You've got the grumpy old men usually sitting in the back back there with Elmer, right, Elmer? Don's usually back there, I'm sorry. I had Don Yoder's you're back there with him too, Tom. I'm sorry. We've got the different ages. We typically sit by age. And guys, we have done typically everything. We've segregated them from ages. You go in the back, what do you got? The little kids, children's ministry. Well, you got the nursery on one side, and then the other side you got the children's ministry, grade schoolers, kindergarten, K through five. And then over here you've got the middle schoolers. I remember years ago when Mary Napoli got into the sixth grade, and she was standing in the back with her Aunt Sue or her mother, I'm not sure which, and I referred to it as the walk. You know what the walk was? Walks away from her parents over to sit with the middle schoolers. 
And guys, there was just this natural segregation. We have the middle schoolers together. We have the high schoolers together. We have the campus together. We have the senior citizens together. We have the young adults together. And you know what? We've heard a few complaints about that. A few of those age groups feel isolated. And we're, Tim and Alan and I are in agreement, this is not the way God intends for it to be. Okay, why? Because every one of us has a role. Every one of us has a role within this family. Let me, let me, uh, read you, it's interesting here. I'm not one that's big on surveys. Barna is a group that is known for years, uh, for doing surveys of church. Very good surveys. Um, and they did a survey on why millennials are leaving the church. And I, just to be honest with you, I don't pay attention. I don't, I don't know what a millennial is by definition. I don't know what a Gen Xer is by definition. I was in my 30s before I learned that I'm actually a baby boomer. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, baby boomer, I thought 1945 to 1950, you know, all them guys coming back from the war, uh, interested in missing their wives, and all of a sudden babies are born. The baby boomer officially went on until 1964. I didn't know that until I was in my 30s. I don't pay attention to this stuff typically. But this is what this survey is about. is about why millennials are leaving churches. And here's what it said. It says, intergenerational relationships topped the list of reasons young people remain connected to their faith communities. Those who stayed were twice as likely to have a close personal friendship with an adult in the church as those who left. He goes on and says that cultivating intergenerational relationships is one of the most important ways in which effective faith communities are developing flourishing faith in both young and old. Now guys, what's that saying is, they've done a survey, and what they're saying is, what is significant to young people staying connected to a church is do they have relationships with people who are older than them? So it's talking about intergenerational. What does that mean? That means young adults. You have relationships with the senior citizens. Okay? It means teenagers. You have relationships with adults. It means adults. You have relationships with everybody. Guys, it's exciting. I mean, I, I you know, I, I mentioned the middle schoolers over here. And do you, I don't know if you noticed or not. There's, there's an old middle, there's two of them today. There's three of them today. I love this. Debbie Weiler's been sitting over here with her, with her, with the middle school. She has a granddaughter in middle school. She asked her one day, she says, are you embarrassed for me to be over here? She says, I don't think they know who you are. <laughs> Guys, the lines have to be crossed. The lines have to be crossed. Last night we went out to eat for Father's Day. 
uh, took my father. He lives over in Florissant. We went out to Charlie's. We're pulling in. We're backing in. And my son Jordan says, that guy looks like Daryl Herbst. And I know that Daryl is from Florissant originally, or he's got family over there anyway. And I look up and it is Daryl. And I get out. And instead of yelling at Daryl, I yell at his son, Dylan. I go, hey, Dylan! And he comes running over. And my daughter later says, Dylan likes dad? When did this happen? Guys, I can tell you when it happened. It happened sometime back in the winter or spring when I saw on Facebook that Dylan was on a hot streak with his Hot Wheel Derby car. Okay? And I started, to, I actually started before then on New Year's Eve when we were playing Uno. And I learned the kid does know how to talk. Oh my goodness, does he know how to talk. Okay? And it goes, and I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to bridge this gap. I've, I've done this, been doing this for years. I've been doing this for years where I try to reach into the different generations. Specifically with the kids. Why? Because guys, we are a family. Do you go to Christmas and not pay any attention to your nieces and nephews? No. They want to find out what's going on. You want to catch up with them. Guys, this is a family. Again, I encourage you to look around. Who are you connecting with outside of your own demographic? Outside of your own age group? Guys, it is wonderful. Like I said, we've been doing this for years. A few years ago, uh, Abby Law and Sierra Johnson went to middle school. And they're at middle school talking at the lunch table. And they're both talking. They both mentioned Aunt Susan in a conversation. And one of the girls finally says, are you two related? Because you both have this Aunt Susan you're talking about. And Sierra pipes up and goes, oh, no, 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 no. It's not her real aunt. Another another funny story about this. I mean, we've been Aunt Susan and Uncle Gary to, to CT and Sierra since they were born, okay? Uh, it, if they believe we're really Aunt and Uncle, it's because they believe we're really Aunt and Uncle. We've treated them that way. Um, one time, we were having the chapel family camp out. And uh, they're over at the house swimming before we're going to the chapel family camp out. And uh, my niece, Bree Chapel, is talking about going to the chapel family camp out. And Sierra says... Why is she going? I thought this was the chapel family camp out. <laughs> one more story. One more story. I love it. I'm at a track meet for Carson Bateman and C.T. Johnson. And we're over in Alton. I'm there before, uh, C- or before Carson's dad, Dave, gets there. And these boys are looking for me. I'm texting them and they're looking for me, so something's up. And they come up and Carson says, Can you give C.T. and me $10 to split? I said, why? We're hungry. It's a good reason. I don't, I was a track meet and hungry and didn't have money. I gave him $10. Carson came back to me and says, here, will you hold my change? <laughs> he meant give him $10. Guys, I was happy to do that. Happy to be Uncle Gary. Can I tell you? No, let me, let me just tell you. Okay. I can go on with stories and stories like this all day long, but I will also tell you, There's kids in this church that I don't know their name. Maybe I should say I don't remember their name. Okay, because I've got this thing with names. Um, 
and I have to go out of my way to use If I don't use a name over and over and over again, I forget it. That's just all there is to it. Okay? I, and I can go through that. Scott and Stacy, cute little boy. I don't know his name. Okay, don't know if I've ever been told his name. I don't know. Uh, Aurora. Where's Aurora at? Aurora. I remember her name because I go, Aurora. And she goes, Gary. She has two younger sisters. I've been told their names. I've worked on remembering their names. I don't remember their names. Okay, guys, what's my point? Who do you get to know? Who can you get to know? Guys, there's a relationship in this room. There are multiple relationships in this room waiting for you to initiate and cultivate. You have something to give. I'm going to tell you right now, teenagers, I know you've you, you got a lot of answers right now, but there's a lot of older people in this room who've made a whole lot of mistakes that they want you to avoid. Is that correct? And they've learned a whole lot of things that they want to, they can teach you. Hopefully after today they'll want to teach you. And guys, this goes way beyond the books of the Bible. This goes way beyond the commands of God. This goes to how do you live those commands of God. Guys, you have a role in this church. Years ago, I had a license plate. I meant to bring it. I did not. Is Uncle Gary. Unc Gary. Because you can't get the whole thing on there. Because that was the role I saw myself in. And I want to tell you right now, if you're a man, you need to think of yourself with the word uncle in front of your name when it comes to everybody in this church. Especially those younger than you. You need to fulfill that role of mother, father, aunt, uncle, grandfather, grandmother. And you need to look for how that is done. You know, traditionally, you would hear about somebody in the ministry being called to ministry, called to be a a local preacher, called to be a missionary. I want to let you know that God is calling you today to have a role in this family. Okay? It's plain as day. He wants you to be an uncle, an aunt, a grandma, a grandpa, and dare I say a child. Okay, guys? Let me talk to you just real quick. One of the most significant passages in the Bible to me is where Jesus, it says, He grew in wisdom and stature before God and man. And do you know how He grew? This is the Son of God. This is sinless Jesus. Had all the answers. And do you know what the Bible says He did to grow in wisdom and stature? He was submissive to His parents. He obeyed His parents. That's the one thing. You want to know, that's what they're there for, guys. If it worked for Jesus, I think it should work for you too. Fair enough? But guys, that's how you fulfill your role. And that's my third point. And I got a little bit ahead of myself. is fulfill my role in the family. Guys, once you understand your role, you need to fulfill your role. I got two passages there from James. You can read them on your own because I'm over time. 
I didn't think I would be, but I am. And basically it says, guys, don't just listen to what God has to tell you. Do something about it. Take some action. If you understand your role, take some action. How do you want to do that? Decide. Make a commitment that you're going to do it, number one. Number two, pray and look around. If you start praying that you got something to give and you want somebody to give it to, you want to lend a hand, you start looking around, and I guarantee you, if you're a grandparent, you're going to find kids who don't have an active grandparent in their life. You're without children. You're going to find children that need an active aunt or uncle in their life. If you're a father, you may have other younger men who need an older brother. And dare I say it, but I know it's true because I was one of these guys, we have men who still need a father in their life. Guys, look around. Ask someone. Who can I give back to? Who can I connect with? And then do something no matter how small it is. How insignificant it seems, you start to connect and then stay with it. Okay, Guys, as you celebrate Father's Day today, I want you to realize that family is a resource that God wants us to be faithful with. Let's pray and then come back up here and sing if they can get the PA to work. Father, it is exciting to look at how You've laid out things. And Father, it is exciting to see You work. It is exciting to know when I'm being good and faithful. And Father, it's honestly exciting to sh- when You show me when I'm not. Because then I know what to do. Father, I want to pray right now that Greater Ralton is good and faithful. That that is a goal that each of us in this room and those of us that aren't here but normally are, have. That we have decided that we want to stand before You at the end of time and to hear You say, well done, good and faithful servant. And Father, I pray that we realize that involves every one of our resources and we do not hold back. Father, I I pray right now for our connection as a family to grow. Father, for the generational gaps to be closed. For older people to reach down to younger people and younger people to reach up to older people. And Father, to embrace each other as family. Though not related by blood, we're related by purpose and commitment to serving Jesus. Father, with that in mind, we have brothers and sisters who are hurting this morning, and I just, I want to hold them up to you. Father, I was just told this morning that Jeff Dupie has lost his mother. She's died. And his dad, father died just a few months ago. Father, we ask You to comfort Him. Father, I pray that there's those in this room who can be of a comfort to Him. Because they've gone through it. And they can give the comfort that You've given to them. Father, I also want to pray for for Craig and Shantae Davis. A number of us have heard of the tragedy that happened. Uh, Father, with with their granddaughter drowned Friday night. Father, they are part of our family. They are believers in You. And a number of us have been connected to them. Father, 
I pray, as I've been praying, that You do what only You can do. You give the comfort that only You can give during that tragedy. Father, I want to pray right now. I just ask that we accept the call to fulfill our role. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.